You're listening to the Be Better Lawyer podcast with Dina Cataldo, episode 294. Hi, I'm Dina Cataldo, a master coach and ex-criminal prosecutor. I created Be a Better Lawyer podcast for driven lawyers like you who want more from life than sitting behind a desk. You've been playing by other people's rules. Those rules have left you overwhelmed, unfulfilled, and feeling like a hamster on a wheel. I've been there. I was doing everything people told me to do to be successful, working late nights, weekends, and trying to make everyone happy. So why wasn't I happy? And I wanted more in life. When was I going to find time to find and pursue that? Well, I did, and I'm sharing with you my secrets to living a happier and more fulfilling life. This podcast gives you a lifetime of wisdom, mindset principles, and bedrock strategies to give you unshakable confidence, more time to pursue your goals, a powerful sense of purpose to uplevel your life in law practice, and so much more. These are things we were never taught in law school. This podcast bridges the gap between law school and life. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, how are you doing today? So I've been wanting to do an episode on setting client boundaries for a really long time. And I see a lot of lawyers struggling with creating boundaries in their practices, whether they have their own practice or whether they're working for somebody else, a firm or whatever it is. And it's not because they don't know how to set a boundary. It's because it feels so darn uncomfortable doing it. Because you know what you want, you know how you want things to play out, but you're not setting those expectations, you're not setting those boundaries, and it's because it feels so darn hard. You're afraid you might lose a client, you might upset someone, they might not like you anymore, and all of that's really normal, but it's preventing you from having a practice that you really enjoy coming to. And it's also preventing you from setting up your practice in a way that just feels good when you walk in the door every single day. And because it feels so hard for you to set a boundary, it leads you to feel resentful and you feel like you're doing things that you don't necessarily want to do. And you feel defensive because it's almost like you're going to war with your clients. I see this come up again and again in my coaching calls. You and your client are not on opposing sides. It might feel that way sometimes, but in that moment, you can feel that way, but that's simply not true. You're actually on the same side. And if you're experiencing this, what's actually happening is you are at war with yourself, right? You're acting against yourself, your own best interests. You're acting against what you truly want and what you know deep down is right for you. So it makes sense that you would feel annoyed, that you would feel resentful and even angry, so let's just get that out now. This is a normal feeling, but it's not because your clients are bad clients, okay? You might have some clients that, you know, you don't like so much, but I want you to know that if you're feeling resentful and angry, this is something you totally have power over. And when you are acting in a way that minimizes the value of what you want and says the client matters more than I do, you're telling yourself that what you want doesn't matter. That is never true. What you want matters. And you're going to need to need to balance to harmonize your interests with their interests. Okay? You want to do it in a way that makes sense for you and makes sense for your clients. So in this episode, you're going to learn how to set a boundary, how to set expectations for yourself in a calm, grounded way 
that feels good. You are going to um, get some questions to ask yourself so that you can find where you need to set better client expectations, because sometimes that can be difficult to even know. You need to bring bring that awareness to those situations. And you're also going to learn to navigate uncomfortable feelings that come up anytime you have a difficult conversation. So yes, you may feel uncomfortable doing this at first, but it's going to feel hands down better than the old way that you've been doing things. Boundaries are something a lot of people think they need to fight for. You know, like I said, you might feel like you're at war with your clients. It is not a war. Okay. Because when you think like that, it puts you on the defensive. It's almost like you've got your foot back, you've got your hands up, you're ready to get into a boxing match. Boundaries are not a tool of war. It's simply a tool to help you create the life that you want and to continue to help people without burning out. Because if you don't set boundaries, you will burn out. A boundary is simply a decision you make about what's acceptable in your life and in your law practice. Like if you have not been setting boundaries, you, it's going to feel difficult, okay? So don't be put off by how uncomfortable you feel even by thinking about talking to your clients about this. This takes practice. And this is something that I work for long periods of time with my clients, right? Like we actually do assessments in our calls when there's somebody who's working specifically on setting boundaries, creating expectations in their practice, so if you're just listening to this podcast, know that it's not a one and done, okay? This takes consciously being aware of areas in your practice where you're not setting boundaries, where you're feeling resentful, sitting with that emotion, understanding where it's coming from, right? It's just because you haven't set a boundary. It's okay. And then having understanding the conversation you need to have and then having that conversation. Okay. And we're going to take, we're going to walk you through this. So you're going to get that, but know that this is not a one and done. All right. This is, <laughs> this is something that does take practice. Okay. It's a habit, a habit that makes boundaries and setting expectations second nature to you takes time. So at a very basic level, a boundary is knowing what you want communicating what you want, knowing what you will do if that boundary is not adhered to. And then if what you want isn't adhered to, then you follow through on whatever consequence that you have. Okay. A basic example, very basic, is um, having a client who's yelling at you right on the phone. You tell them that you understand they're upset, but if they continue to yell at you on the phone, that you're going to need to discontinue the conversation and no longer represent them. Then if they continue to yell at you, then that's the time when you say, well, thank you. Um, I'm going to confirm with the court a date to discontinue representation. Have a good night. Click. Right? That That's really it. But I know that this is very difficult to see is very difficult to say those words to somebody if you're not used to setting boundaries, if you're used to always doing whatever it is that, you know, kind of going with the flow. I think we learn this when we're kids, right? That not to speak up. And I, I, you know, I totally get that. But if you want to really start creating a practice that you love and you really want to create more time for yourself, you actually want to go to the office, you actually want to engage with more of your clients, it is important to learn this skill. So before we move on, the word boundary 
it really sounds like you're fencing someone off as if you're on opposite sides of a wall. So I'm going to call boundaries creating client expectations because I really like that better. And yeah, technically the definitions of boundary and expectations are different, but I want to share something with you. Boundaries are commonly talked of like protective measures, but if you know what you want and you communicate it clearly from the start, you don't need to put up walls. You simply set up expectations in advance and you follow through with what you say you're going to do. And most things that lawyers come to me with where they tell me that they have a client boundary issue, they're not a client boundary issue at all, right? They're expectation issues. So communication is key. We can't expect that a client knows what you need or is going to behave the way you want them to. You've got to communicate what it is you're willing to do in the client relationship, the attorney-client relationship, and things that you will not do, right? It's very clear when it's like matters of right and wrong. You're like, no, this is wrong. Of course, I'm not going to say those words to the court right? That's that's setting a boundary. And if you want me to continue to represent you, then I am not going to say those words to the court. And then if they back off, great. And then if they don't, you say, okay, I'm not going to represent you anymore. So that's at essence a boundary. And it's very clear to see when it has to do with ethical issues. But when it has to do with the personal issue, sometimes it feels more gray. So I want to really set the stage to I help you think about setting a boundary differently so that if you, as you move forward in your practice, you're thinking about this in terms of creating client expectations, which puts you in the driver's seat. You're in charge of creating your client's experience and your own experience, and you're leading the relationship, which is as it should be. The client should not be leading the relationship. You should be the one leading the relationship, setting up these expectations in advance, starting from before you even have a first consult with them right? Even in your marketing materials. And then when they come into the consult, you're setting up expectations there. So you're just knowing step by step by step exactly where you want to take the client, how you want to lead this relationship. And I spoke about really taking charge of how you think about your practice and creating what you want in episode 277, Becoming a Powerful Creator in Your Life. And I'm going to link to that in the show notes because I think that's a really important episode to really start looking at your practice, whether you work for someone else or you work for yourself, really setting up your practice in a way where you feel empowered to make decisions that are going to benefit you and benefit your client. Because your clients are looking to you to help them, to advise them. They don't have to take your advice. They've hired you to hear your perspective, though. But you can create client expectations from the very beginning of your relationship that are going to make your life and their lives easier. Because clients want to have structure, too. You're, you letting go of the steering wheel and just letting things happen doesn't feel good for them either. You may think you're doing them a kindness, but you're not. Think about when you join a program or you're in a class, you like to know what to expect and you like to be given some guidelines around what's going to happen next. It feels safe. You know you're not wasting time. You know that there's a plan in place. Somebody else is taking care of you. So when you set out the expectations you have of how the relationship's going to go with the client, what the timeline's going to look like for your particular practice, you are giving them a roadmap to follow. So for example, 
If you have an estate planning practice, you can set up your systems in a way where you talk specifically how you about how you handle matters, okay? You could do this in any practice area. So you tell them, let's say in a consult, you say, okay, the fee is X dollars for XYZ documents, and that includes run one revision and one review, you know, whatever it is you want to include in that. And then you tell them after this consult, I'm going to create a file and have your documents prepared by X date. And then you tell them right now we're going to set up a signing date that works for us both for some time after the documents are prepared, right? You can make it a week. And then four, my assistant's going to take your full retainer fee up front in the lobby when you leave my office. And that money is going to go into a separate account, right? You could set that up any way that you like. And then you tell them, well, once I've completed your documents, then all of those funds are going to be released. And this is something that I recently worked on with a client of mine. It was something that we just discovered as, as well, she just discovered as she was going through this process is that she didn't really have a system in place for this, right? She wasn't really setting up the expectation up front. She wasn't putting in her contract up front that, you know, once this is done, then the the fees are the fees going to be released, okay? Because sometimes people don't sign up for their signings in estate planning, right? They just don't sign up for whatever reason, and so to have all those funds tied up after you've done the work isn't fair to you. So when you're setting up these expectations, think about what's fair for you too. So you can go on to say if for some reason you don't come in for the signing on the date we agree upon, then we'll follow up for, with you. But if we don't hear from you within 30 days, then your file is going to go into our closed documents until you contact us. Okay. Then if you have additional revisions or want to have further discussion, then that will be billed by my hourly fee of X that would be paid before the signing. So just know that these are things that are available to you. Obviously, know your jurisdiction, know what's available to you, what's something that you can do in order to not only like set up expectations in a way that feel good for the client, but feel good for you too. It's so easy to ignore what we want, to put what we want last, but what you want matters. Okay, so this is very straightforward. It sets forth the expectation you ha have of how the relationship will go. You're creating, in essence, advance, right? In advance, you're setting up the boundaries, right? You're just you're just sharing everything. It's all on the table. You're being 100% honest with them. This is how it's going to go. And if you don't lay out your expectations up front, then they are not going to know what's required and why it's required of them and why you're doing what you're doing. Right. Same thing goes when you need documents from a client. You need to let them know that up front and what the timeline is for having those documents and then letting them know in advance. If you don't have those documents, this is what's going to happen to the process. So just know when you communicate in a straightforward way, it gives them an understanding of the process and they're going to feel more safe. They understand, oh, yeah, there's things I need to do, too. This is a participatory process where I need to actually do things, too. And this is something, creating these expectations is something that I aspire to do in my coaching program, too. I want my clients to know they have resources for them and where they can find them and you know how to help them get what they need to achieve the results they're looking for and that I have a step-by-step -step plan for them, that they're, they've got things coming up for them that they know are going to help them in the area that they're working on. 
So I'm always watching and pacing my clients so they understand like, yes, we're going to be talking about that. And yes, we're going to be talking more about that. And yes, you're going to get this. And yes, you're going to get that. So don't worry about it. You don't have to think about that. Like when you start creating that sense of safety for your clients, they're going to really respond to that. It helps create a foundation for a relationship where they feel taken care of. And you want your clients to feel taken care of, right? But what I've found is that lawyers are really afraid of communicating clearly because they don't want to scare someone off, right? Instead, they feel frustrated that their clients aren't doing what they think they should be doing. I put should in quotes, right? So I want you to ask yourself a question. What is it costing you not to communicate clearly? And if you've kind of drifted off, come back to me because this is important. I want you to really reflect on what it's costing you not to communicate what you want clearly. So one, is it costing you your peace of mind? Are you feeling resentful and annoyed at your client instead of doing the work that you're being paid for, procrastinating, that kind of thing? Is it costing you your time? Are you putting off doing client work because you're kind of resentful and right? You're just kind of like, nope, I don't want to do that. And then you just kind of just kind of float through your practice, right? <laughs> you're not actually doing the work you were paid to do. Like just notice if that's what you're doing or you're you're spending a lot of time ruminating on what you think a client should be doing and take instead of taking charge of what your practice should be looking like or what you want it to look like, I should say. Is it costing you money? Are you failing to communicate your fees up front? Or maybe you're doing work outside of the scope of the initial contract that you set up with them because you feel uncomfortable charging them because you haven't taken the time to communicate the need for the work outside of the scope and the cost of the work outside of the scope because you're telling yourself maybe you should have done it differently. I know. Go ahead and communicate. Your clients will understand. If you're being upfront with them, if you're being honest with them, they're going to understand. And if you can't move forward with the work, then they're going to need to do what it is that you're recommending. Like if they came to you, right, and you have a good relationship with them, and I see this with every one of my clients, they're these big hearted lawyers who really want to take care of their clients and they undercut themselves because they don't want people to think that they're the kind of lawyer who's, you know, sleazy or schemy. And, you know, so many, uh, you know, you look out in society and we hear all of these tropes about how lawyers are just horrible people, right? <laughs> so they don't want to be seen as horrible people. They don't want their client to think that they're bad people. But what they don't realize is that they're so big hearted that their clients know. And that's the reason they come to them is because they're these lovely people who are just their lawyers doing an amazing job for them, but they simply don't know. The lawyers just don't know that they can ask their client for what they want. Like they're so afraid of what their client's going to think of them that it prevents them from taking action. It feels so uncomfortable. So I'm going to invite you to learn how to sit with that discomfort and let it be okay. Like, yeah, this discomfort's normal. And I'm going to go ahead and tell them that I need to do this work outside of the scope so that I can complete the documents the way they want them completed. And that's going to cost X amount of money, right? Just let them know, okay? You're going to get your peace of mind back. You're going to get your time back and you're going to 
really get paid the value of your services, which is really important because what you do is very valuable. Okay. One of the questions, this is a little aside outside of this podcast, but one of the questions I have my clients who are struggling in this area ask themselves is what is the value of your service? Really ask yourself that question. And even if you have a consult, what is the value of your consult? Why is it worth twice as much as what it is that you charge? Why is the value of the services that you charge for worth double what you're currently charging? I want you to really understand this because what we often don't see is the domino effect that our assistance can give somebody for years in the future. So if you're an estate planner, not only are you helping them, you know, get their their things in order for, so that they have peace of mind, but you're making it easy for their family when their their family member passes. You are, you know, really giving them their family members peace of mind. You are organizing things in a way so that when, you know, somebody passes, the let's say they give money to a charity, that charity is going to benefit, right? And what are the repercussions of that when that charity sees that money because you did the documents so well, because you did it, you did them correctly? Or um, if the there's family members who come and they try to get something from the deceased member, the deceased um, client, and th- their client, your client didn't want them to get anything right? And how that can just foreclose a lawsuit so they don't have to go through the pain of going through a lawsuit. It's like it's so clear what the estate plan intended, right? So just know and think about like all of the amazing ripple effects of the work that it is that you're doing. If you're a personal injury lawyer, like really think about how you give somebody peace of mind by setting out these expectations and they know exactly what to expect and what the timelines are. And then they feel really comfortable with you when they go through those difficult moments at the doctor's office, when they go through those difficult moments in court, they know they're taken care of. They know that they're as prepared as they can be. And you make it so that if they're getting a reward, like an award at the end of that trial or at the end of that particular case, that that money is going to have an impact on their family. It could be life-changing money, right? You just, you don't even know. But when you think about it that way and you really understand the value of your services, then you can really show up and you can feel comfortable saying, yes, this is my fee, right? But that's the mindset work. That's a mindset piece. So if you're struggling in that, I want you want to offer that exercise to you. Okay, let's go back to the regularly scheduled program. Okay, so there's five aspects to creating client expectations and or boundary. You can call them either one. I'm using them interchangeably in this episode. Number one, know what you want. Number two, know what you will do if the other person doesn't follow through. You don't have to communicate that immediately, but it's important that you know what you're willing to do. And then number three, what you want to communicate what it is that you want. Okay, so for instance, in the matter of the scope of representation, right? And say, hey, I need to complete work outside of the scope of our initial contract. It's going to cost an extra $500. And um, it's something that needs to happen before we can complete the documents that we discussed previously. And then they say, you know, I can't do that. Then you want to communicate, well, if you can't do that, then I can't complete the documents, right? You just have to communicate that. You need to, you need to understand what you are willing to do 
and what you, you do that in that communication, right? And then you follow through with that communication. So if they say, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to pay. And you say, okay, all right, then I'm going to refund your money. And then you follow through with it. And then you've got to have your back no matter what. We talked about this in the last episode, second guessing yourself. So it's very relevant here, but have your back. Know that you're making the right decision here, right? If they're not willing to pay for your work, work that's essential to getting what they want, that's not fair to you and what you want matters, okay? So just understand that that's something that you would need to do is just be willing to have your back no matter what their decision is, okay? So I'm going to give you three common examples of where I see client expectation issues come up. I'm going to apply these five steps in these examples. I'm going to give you some questions to ask yourself, but you can apply this to anywhere you're struggling with setting client expectations. So I just want to go through these examples, but before I do there's some things I want to clear up, okay? Because a lot of times lawyers will come to me and they'll say they're having a client boundary issue when really it's not that at all, okay? So for example, if a client emails you asking when their documents will be done and you feel anxious because now you think your client is pressuring you to get the work done, that's not a boundary issue, okay? They're just asking you a question and you're making that question mean that they're pressuring you to get it done faster and that now you have to get it done immediately, That's a mind management issue, okay? It's not a boundary problem. Or if a client gets a draft of something you wrote and writes on it with questions or comments and input and you feel angry and disrespected, that's not a boundary issue. They're just sharing their opinion and you're making their opinion mean that they are disrespecting you by not taking your advice. That's a mind management problem, not a boundary problem. Or if a client doesn't want to take your advice and you feel angry and disrespected, that's not a boundary issue either. They're simply exercising their right to decide whether they want to take your advice or not. And you're making their decision mean that you wasted your time, even though they paid you for your opinion. That's a mind management problem, not a boundary problem. So we've done a lot of episodes on mind management, but it all starts with you observing how you're reacting in these situations. You can go to the show notes for a few episodes on mindset to help you out there. I'm thinking specifically of mindset essentials, episodes 274 and 275. Okay, so where I see common issues arise in terms of setting client expectations are one, availability, meaning how available you are to your clients, two, money, meaning how you communicate about money, and three, client behavior, meaning how your clients behave towards you. So first, let's talk about availability. This is one area where it becomes clear that boundaries or setting expectations are all about how clearly you're thinking about what you want big picture. So it could be you want a four-day work week, You could want to work eight hours a day, right? Knowing what it is that you want is really important here. So I had a client with her own firm who gave her cell phone to a client because in the moment, she was in a hurry to get out of the office and thought it would get him off the phone short term. Well, it did, but because she made that decision from frustration and feeling scattered, she made a decision that lifted pressure off of her short term, but communicated to the client in her actions that she would talk to him anytime. So feel free to call on the cell phone in the middle of my time off. So this client called her multiple times on a weekend and she didn't want to work on a weekend. And the client didn't do anything wrong. 
he wasn't he wasn't ignoring her boundaries, right? She communicated that she didn't have any boundaries, right? This situation really unraveled with step one, right? Knowing what you want. She didn't really want to handle client calls outside her workout hours, but she didn't communicate this, right? And nor did she tell the client that this was a matter she would handle as soon as she was back in the office, right? Or that she was going to be handling it um, and just wouldn't be able to communicate with him on a weekend, right? If she'd been clear about what she wanted and communicated it, even if she felt uncomfortable, then this wouldn't have played out like it did. So this is really important to be really clear. Do you want to be available at all hours? Or what what is being communicated in your actions? So if you're saying, here's my cell phone, you're communicating to them that you're willing to be called at any hour, night and day. Is that something you want to communicate? Now, I understand you want your client to feel taken care of, but what you want matters too. So there needs to be a balance here, a harmony between those two things. So think about your particular practice. This is something you know I'll talk with my clients about and help them balance it out, but really think about what it is you want and what you're willing to do and make sure that you're not burning yourself out by taking calls on nights and weekends when you know you need to be recharging, okay? How can you communicate to them that, yes, I'm taking care of your case and you don't even have to give them your cell phone? Like, don't worry. I definitely, I'm going to be taking care of your case. I don't want you to worry about this. I totally understand the issues here. And then you move forward the way you need to be moving forward with that. Okay, so here's a few questions I want you to ask yourself so that you can begin thinking about what it is you want for your practice. A great question to ask yourself here is where are you feeling resentful or angry with your clients? Okay, this is going to tell you about what you want. So why do you think you feel angry or resentful or frustrated? How do you think your clients should be behaving? What might you need to communicate to them? What are your fears, if any, around communicating that to them? And what are the benefits both to you and to them of communicating these things to them? Okay. Rewind this, listen to that again, write it down when you're not in a car or doing dishes or something, and really journal those because you are going to find so many great spots in your practice to begin creating boundaries, creating expectations, changing things up. Okay, a second area where I see client expectations not set up ahead of time is when it comes to money. Money mindset can be a challenge for a lot of people, and I'm going to link to some of my past money mindset episodes in the show notes if you can relate to this. But when you don't address those mindset challenges, you may find yourself creating little messes in your practice. Okay, little messes because you're not setting up client expectations. So for example, you may not communicate the scope of your work in your agreement. And when you do work outside what you thought would be in the agreement, you may not charge for it. Okay. I see this happen most often when a lawyer believes that if she calls up a client and tells them there's additional work to be done and that there's a fee for it, that they're thinking in their mind, right? This is their mindset. They'll think I'm incompetent. They'll think I'm trying to pull one over on them. I should have anticipated this work. So these thoughts, this mindset prevents them from getting paid their value. It also prevents them from solving the problem in the first place. So that means taking the time to sit down, outline what you want, 
and learn how to communicate those wants effectively in a consult. Okay, this is a lot of the work that I do is really working back and forth with a client on a call and outlining exactly what it is that they want and then helping them implement that in their practice. So it really does take, you know, designating some time every week and saying, yeah, this is what I want. This is how I'm going to go about doing it. So when I ask my clients whether they really think their clients believe they're incompetent, if they call them up and say XYZ needs to be done before they can complete the work, they never truly believe their client thinks they're incompetent. Their client trusts them and wouldn't think that they're lying about what needs to get done. They wouldn't be hiring them in the first place if they did. So instead of actually believing those thoughts that I mentioned, get curious about them. Okay, yeah, maybe you could have anticipated the work, but you don't have to beat yourself up about it. Instead, ask yourself what it is that you want. What do you what would you have liked to have had play out? And then make a checklist for yourself in your consult so that you ensure you address it and then you put a term in your contract. Seems like a really simple fix, right? But it's really the mindset that blocks us because we just believe those thoughts are true and we don't go back and question them and start saying, oh, wait, what's a simple solution to this? So when we get out of the mind drama, the solutions become super simple. So the third area where I see client boundary issues come up is when attorneys don't set expectations for how they want to be treated. And every so often you might get a client who's out of the norm, right? I don't see this a whole lot right? They don't, maybe they don't speak respectfully to you or they're downright abusive. So let's just walk through this. This is a pretty typical boundary issue. So number one, how do you want to be spoken to? This is something that we need, we don't really think about, right? We don't really think about how do I want to be spoken to? We assume people are going to speak to us in a kind way. At least I do. I don't know about you. <laughs> I, I think most people are very respectful, right? I think most people are going to be very kind. And that's just how I walk through the world. And if they're not, they're they're just having a bad day or they're out of the norm and you know they're going through their things. I don't take it personally. I just know that everybody has their own thing going on in their life. But oftentimes, you know, we're not paying attention to how people are talking to us. And we don't, especially in like a, an attorney-client relationship, we just don't pay attention to it because we think, oh, well, they're paying us. So I guess they they just get to talk to me the way that they want to talk to me. But that's completely untrue. So I want to give you an example. It's It wasn't a client, but it was an example of um, a issue that I had with somebody in the way that they were speaking. And I don't remember the details of it, but I clearly remember this issue coming up with a correctional officer. I had gone to um, a prison to do some recon on a case that I was doing. I had a trial. It was an assault trial, inmate on inmate. And the correctional officer said something to the effect of, you know, what does this case matter or something like that? And that's something that I would get a lot from jury members too, right? It's really difficult to really show the importance of a case when it's an inmate on inmate. It's like, what, two murderers trying to kill each other? Like, what's the big deal, right? Why are we even here on this? And it was something that really, I heard it and and my, my bells went off and I'm the kind of person who speaks up before the discomfort comes up. I don't know what it is. I think I had a lot of practice as a prosecutor, <laughs> you know, really speaking up 
quickly. Like we're taught we need to speak up quickly. And so either that or, you know, whatever it is, I really speak up quickly when things like that happen. And so I said immediately, do not talk about this case like that. Like do not talk about other human beings like that. Like that is not appropriate and you will take this case seriously. Like that, this is just not acceptable, right? And I'm 5'2", this guy's like 6'2", you know? So there's a disparity in size and oftentimes you get a lot of machismo in, you know, officers generally, but in correctional officers too, <laughs> you know, there's a certain um, demeanor that they might have. So it's just, it was just interesting to see like the detective that I was with um, his jaw dropped because he had never seen somebody speak up like that in that setting. And I don't think that it was necessarily expected of me because I, you know, he just hadn't seen that before for me, apparently. But I don't take crap from people. And I think that in as a whole, when I'm, I, I, I think as a whole, we're taught, especially as women, that we're supposed to take crap from people. And that we just we just need to like do the work and put our heads down and get it done. And I got, you know, I got to a point, some point in my life, I couldn't pinpoint when it was, that I was like, I'm not taking this. And this is completely inappropriate. You do not talk to people in that way. Or you don't talk about people in that way. So it's something to observe in yourself about whether or not you notice you're taking a lot of crap from people, for lack of a better word, right? If you are hearing that, you know, you're hearing words that are blatantly disrespectful of other people and you're not speaking up. I mean, I've, I guess I've always spoken up when I've heard other people being spoken badly of, right? I've been like, no, we don't do that. We don't talk like that. Do not talk that way around me. Do not treat that person like that. And it's very easy for me to create boundaries in those areas. So if you're noticing that you are taking crap like that, where you're having people speak badly to you and you're not speaking up, it's worth noticing, okay? There's nothing wrong with you. You're not, there's nothing that's inherently bad or anything. It's just, there's a discomfort there. And I would be really curious to explore that more, right? Because when you stop, taking crap from people and you start communicating what you want and you start practicing, right? It might not be immediately like that. You might not speak up at a moment's notice, but you might say, yeah, you know, I, I want to speak up for myself more. That wasn't appropriate. And when you stop allowing that to happen, it stops happening to you. And I don't have that happen, right? And if I have any moment of that happening, I will like in a, in a, heartbeat, I will say something. I speak up faster than my body can feel it because I've practiced it so much. And it does take practice. This is a learnable skill. And I want you to learn it if you find yourself in that particular situation. Okay. So let's move on to the rest of the steps here. So the second step here, ask yourself if they don't communicate in that way to you, what will you do, right? So in the situation where you have somebody yelling at you over the phone, berating you over the phone, what will you do? I want you to really sit and ask yourself this before you're ever on a phone with somebody. Will you hang up the phone? Will you only respond to essential emails? Will you request to be taken off the case? Decide that ahead of time if you're having the situation come up. 
And then three, you're going to communicate this to them. And yeah, this might feel really uncomfortable. I want you to sit with the discomfort, take a breath, and do it anyway. It is going to feel so good afterwards. In the moment, it's going to feel horrible, but do it anyway, okay? Promise. I promise you, you will feel better. Four, the very next time they behave disrespectfully, let them know that you will be hanging up on them, hanging up now, right? Or whatever other consequence it is that you communicated to them. It's important that you follow through on the very first time or they will not believe you. You've got to follow through on this. Five, have your back through this process no matter what happens. No matter what happens, whatever the result, you will be okay. Remind yourself that you will figure out how to move forward. I did an episode last week on second guessing yourself, so listen to that one. This takes practice, okay? So as a prosecutor, you're thrown into experiences where you need to learn how to speak up for you what you want immediately. I really think that benefited me, but I also think that over the years, I've, I've just been practicing it, right? I would do it in so many other situations even before I was a lawyer. So this is a learnable skill. It's not something you're born with. I'm 100% sure of that. So know that this is something you can learn. It just takes practice. Okay, so let's do a quick recap on setting up expectations and boundaries. Communicating what you want requires you to believe that what you want matters. Let me repeat that. Come back to me if you've left me for any reason. What you want matters. When you communicate what you want, you are creating a client expectation. They are now on the same page as you are. So one, know what you want because what you want matters. Number two, know what you will do if the other person doesn't behave the way you want them to. Three, communicate what you want and what will happen if your client doesn't follow through on what they need to do. Four, follow through with what you communicated. And five, have your back no matter what happens. Do you want to begin implementing what you're learning here on the podcast? Because when we work together, you're going to gain clarity on different areas in your practice where you can resolve resentment and anger with your clients. Not only will you create better relations with with them moving forward, but you're going to give yourself the gift of peace of mind. You're going to give yourself the gift of time to focus on what matters most to you. And you're going to get the gift of respecting the value of your services to your clients. Boundaries create a domino effect where you're going to notice you begin increasing your confidence to do things like raise your rates, take on only best clients, and stop overworking in your practice so you can enjoy more of your life. And that's why my clients see a huge return on their investment when they work with me. You can see my client testimonials for yourself at dinacataldo.com forward slash strategy session, and you can book a call with me there too. All right, my friend, enjoy the upcoming holiday and I will talk to you on the podcast next week. Bye.